Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearson. So glad you tuned in today because we are bringing you part four of a message called Fit for the Fight. You know, we live by faith, we talk by faith, we walk by faith, and we fight by faith. But so many people are losing their fight of faith for one big reason. They're not fit. They're not in shape. So if you feel like you're not winning your fight, then this message is for you today. Find out how you can get fit for the fight of faith. Notice this, be of good courage. That's what he just said a moment ago. And he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. I like these two verses because the psalmist here, David, he gives the example of what's happened in his life and the instruction that came out of that. This is what happened for me. That's why I'm telling you. You see that? I would have lost heart. What would have become of me if I hadn't trusted, if I hadn't believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? So I'm telling you, you wait on him. You expect to see it. Be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. Of all the things that we've identified tonight, all the arenas in which stronger is better. This is the most important. This one far outweighs any other. To be strong in your heart. I know what it's like to be weak physically and want to be stronger. Maybe made weak through even sickness and desiring to be stronger. I know what it's like to be weak financially, than, weaker than you want to be, and the, the desire to be stronger. I know that. You know that. We've all experienced that. And we get stirred up and we get excited when we find out how to be stronger in those areas. But I'm telling you, more than any of those, this is what you need. Above any of the others, you need a strong heart. And all the others, good. And you do need it all, but not before this. He'll strengthen your heart. Why do you need a strong heart? Because a strong heart will last longer than a weaker one. Have you noticed that most of the time you don't go from physically weak to physically strong the next day? Have you noticed even in dealing with symptoms of sickness in your body that that outside of a miraculous moment and that happens and continues to happen and we're believing for it to happen. But but you know as well as I do that most of the time there's a work going on in you and you're getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger over time until all of that is flushed out. Have you noticed that as much as you would want to be instantly stronger? It doesn't always happen that way. Have you noticed that it's not always overnight that you go from financially weaker to financially stronger? Proverbs warns about that. Even folks that inherit large sums of money or win large sums of money, just because they got a lot of money doesn't mean they're financially stronger. It will probably just expose whatever weakness they have. So these things... They, they take time and oftentimes more time than you want them to take. So what is it that's going to get you from where you are, maybe weak or weakened, to where you want to be strong and strengthened? How are you going to get from here to there? What if it takes a long time? 
Ask Abraham. How did he get from not having a child to hearing the promise of God and what was it, a decade or more later, finally experiencing it? What's going to get you from where you are to where you want to be? It's going to be a strong heart. It's going to be a strong heart because there are going to be times that you're going to feel like giving up, feel like giving in, feel like you have exhausted all your strength, all your energy, everything you've got physically, everything you've got financially, everything you've got mentally, and you've poured it out and you've just left it all on the court, as they say, left it all on the field, didn't hold anything back. Well, what's going to keep you in the game? Heart. Heart is what's going to keep you in the game. You ask any good coach, any self-respecting coach, and you ask him, what would you rather have, talent or heart? He'll say, give me heart every time. Every time. What would you rather have, strong physically or strong in the heart? Give me somebody who's got a strong heart. I can do something with that. Did you hear that? I can do something with it. It's useful to me. How many times have you heard these stories about teams making it all the way through tournaments, teams that were littler than everybody else, teams that were from some backwoods school that nobody ever heard of, and they showed up and people laughed at them. These make great movies. And, and they go all the way through and they win one, and then they win another, and then they win another, and they wind up at the big game against the big guys, and what got them there? Heart. Every single time. And that's what's going to get you there. That's what's going to, in this fight that you and I are in, this is what makes you fit. This is what makes you strong. You may not be strong physically. You may not be some towering giant, but it's heart that's going to keep you on your feet round after round after round. And round one is over and two and three and four and five. And it's heart that's going to keep you in this thing. Round 10, round 11, round 12. And this whole time, what are you doing? Technique, technique. Technique, technique. It's growing. You're getting stronger. You're getting stronger. Every step of obedience, you're getting stronger. Every time you, every time you say, okay, Lord, every time you take him at his word, you're getting stronger. You're getting stronger. You're getting stronger. In a minute, you're about to land a blow that's going to send your enemy running out of this ring. That's what's about to happen. If, if you don't lose heart, if you won't quit, I'll tell you this story and I'll be done. Whoa, I preached a long time. I'm, I've experienced this probably more in the last month than I ever have in my entire life. I got to give you a little backstory on this. When I was 18 years old, I remember I was hanging out with my grandfather, Brother Copeland. I think most of you probably know my grandparents. And uh, he and I were hanging out one night. I was 18 years old. We went for a drive. We pulled back into the house, and I'll never forget sitting in the driveway of his house. And he said, Jeremy, I've asked you a question. How would you like to learn to fly? I'll put you through pilot, uh, flight training, pilot school if you'd like to. Now, I wasn't on the inside really excited about it. That was not something I ever really saw myself doing. I, honestly, I was, I was not... I got a lot of things from that side of the family, but like the hunting, fishing, outdoors, flying airplanes, and great adventures. Again, me and my dad, where are we? We're at the piano. <laughs> and I'm not knocking that. I loved every minute of that. So when Papa was like, how would you like to learn to fly? Honestly, I felt afraid. 
because I didn't really think I had the mind for that. But um, one thing, and, and this is just be a word of advice to you, if Brother Copeland asks you <laughs> if you want to do something, don't say, I'm afraid. <laughs> okay? So when he said, Jeremy, how, how would you like to learn to fly? I was like, yay! <laughs> that sounds great! <laughs> and so... He set it up, and uh, I enrolled in flight training. They're not too far from my house. You know what? Right away, I was not getting it. Just basic flight concepts just seemed to elude me, and I just I couldn't make sense of it. And I was with this trainer who basically, his, his whole thing, he was just there getting hours. He was just trying to get guys in and out of this thing. And I'm like, I'm not getting this. I'm not getting this. And he's taking me up flying and we're, we're trying to get it. Well, then it comes time about oh, 15, 20 hours into your training, it comes time for your first solo. You know what solo means? It means the dude gets out of the airplane, <laughs> right? And now you're flying an airplane by yourself. So we... Flew out to KCM, you know, they have a, there's a runway right there on the property, and we land there. This guy gets out, big doogie, gets out of the airplane, and I'm supposed to go take off, come around, do two touch and goes, and then a full stop landing. Well, I take off, I'm coming around, and I don't know. The first one, I was like, this doesn't even look right. I, I, I didn't even go down. I did not even come down to the earth. I was still up and I'm going back around again. I'm like, all right, this next time around, I'm gonna have to get down to the ground at some point. So I start coming down. I kid you not, it looked, you've been in an airplane, right? You know, when the pilot touches down, you know it's a good landing because all you hear is what? Right? That's what you wanna hear. As a pilot, you want the, that's what you want. Just those wheels kissing the ground, right? Can you try it with me? There you go. Mine, however, looked like God had thrown a basketball out of the heavens, and I slammed this airplane down on the ground, bounced up, bounced down. I thought, Mike, I thought maybe that counts as all the touching goes right there. It was horrible. It was horrible. And I got to do this two more times. So I come around again. Second one, really not much better at all. Third one. On, on the third one, I look out the airplane. There's a fire truck pulling up <laughs> on, onto the tarmac. And I thought, okay, either somebody saw the first landing or somebody in my family who's out there watching preemptively called a fire truck. Maybe like, he should be playing golf. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm watching this fire truck. I'm like, I'm not on fire. Give me some credit here. Come down, land. It's just ugly. Ugly, the whole thing. But I stay with it. And after pattern solos, then it's time to start learning how to cross-country solo. So now you actually have to leave the airport. <laughs> and it's not just about going up and coming down. I mean, you've got to navigate You've got to figure for wins and, and look on your sectional chart and make sure you're in the right place. And so for my first few cross-country solos, I was taken off out of this airport there in Fort Worth that was right on Highway 287. And I found another airport that was about, I don't know, 30 miles away, also on Highway 287. So what I would do is take off and basically drive... <laughs> 
to this airport. Because I have no confidence whatsoever in my flight planning abilities. I'm not confident at all. And so finally one day I'm like, you know what? I can't just fly to this one airport for my entire life. I'm going to have to do this and be legit. So I planned a for real legitimate cross country. Kid you not, 30 minutes into this flight, I am so lost. And if you've never been lost while flying an airplane, you've never sweat. That was sweat. It's like, what are you going to do, pull over? You know what I mean? <laughs> Excuse me, I don't know. Can you tell me how to get back on the highway? <laughs> you know? And by the grace of God Almighty and some help from air traffic control, I made it back to home base. I didn't even go to the other airports I was supposed to go to. I landed, I put that airplane away, and I sped walked through the <laughs> lobby there, the flight school. My instructor was like, hey, how was your flight? Fine, gotta go, bye. <laughs> Never said anything to anybody about it. So, so scared me. And, you know, I quit shortly after that. I didn't want to go back. I didn't want to do it anymore. About a year or so later, a couple of years maybe, Decided, I, I need to pick this thing back up. Didn't want to do it. Felt somehow obligated. Felt pressure. I, I got to do this. So I went back to school. Went through all the training again. Still not any better. This time I had an instructor, a uh, little guy from India. And man, it's so loud in those little airplanes. He was hard to understand to begin with, but when you add all that noise and he starts yelling at you, and he's like, no, no, which way are you entering the airport? What, what, what pattern altitude do we have? And I'm like, I, I don't know, I don't know. Use some common sense. He would, I don't, driving is common to me, man. I don't know what you, he's yelling at me in this Indian accent, and I can't, and I can't understand. So somehow I managed to get through that. I got my private pilot's license. I don't know how, but I did. And I kept on with my training a little bit. But you know, it was like that. It was one just bad experience after another, after another. One time I flew out of Fort Worth and I had to go on this long cross country to Little Rock, Arkansas. And man, I just made some huge mistakes. I was taken off out of there and busted a whole short line. And uh, um, I took off and there was a lot of there's a lot of confusion on the radio, but I, I, I misunderstood a clearance and they come on and they're yelling at me. I'm like, I don't know, I don't know, I hate this. I don't wanna be doing this. And it, I had three hours to fly home, just kicking myself, thinking you're not cut out for this. You can preach like your grandfather if you want to, but you're not gonna be able to fly like him. And just kick myself over and over and over. So I, I, I quit again. And you fast forward to these last few years, Sarah and I launched into this ministry a few years ago, and man, God's been faithful, and there was always something about airplanes in it. We were a month or maybe a couple of months into our ministry when a man, a partner of ours, who had been letting us use his airplane, called and said, I want to give you that airplane. Two, three-month-old ministry. We were given a Cessna 421. Great airplane. Man, we flew that airplane everywhere. Well, I didn't, but <laughs> we rode. Another guy flew everywhere. Uh, shortly after that, another minister called and said, I want to sow a Citation 500 into your ministry. And we're stepping up now, which enabled us to sow that 
first airplane. A couple of years after that, we felt like the Lord told us to sew that jet. I'm telling you, if you've never given away an airplane, you got to try it, man. It is awesome. It's so much fun. But since that time, we've been back in the commercial airline system, which we know the Lord had called us out of, and he'd given us the equipment to stay out of it, but we were back in it and not really up on my faith. You know, God had just sort of given them to us before. I guess that's what's going to happen again. All the while he's talking to me about get back into flying. You need to go back. You need to go back. You need to go back. And I'm just pretending I don't hear that. Have you noticed that doesn't work with God? (laughs) Have you noticed there's no statute of limitations on his commands (laughs) that if you disobey long enough, then eventually he'd be like, okay, well, that's fine. It just doesn't work. And he's talking to me about it and he's talking to me about it. And, and I'm just telling myself, you know, it's excuses. I'm too busy. We've got little kids and it takes so much time. And really all the while I'm thinking, I was so bad at this before. What business do I have getting back into it again? And that got all the way up to this summer. And Sarah and I were here in Branson attending the marriage meeting. We were home uh, there at her mom and dad's house one morning, and we were just talking to each other about aviation and how the Lord had made provision for this before and asking each other, where is it now? We're asking some of the same questions you asked. Where is it now? And she looks at me, and she's like, um, do you think this has anything to do with you know, God telling you to fly? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) You know, I don't want it to, but yeah, it does. And so we came into agreement that day, made the decision. We're going to get back in this. We're going to make the investment and we're going to prioritize him and his instruction. You know, it was that same week that a man came to me, actually a man who I know from home, good friend of our family. He was up here that week and he came and he said, Jeremy, you just do with this what you, should, what you need to, but I think the Lord wants you to fly again. And this guy is a gold seal instructor. Thousands of hours instructing. Phenomenal instructor. And he said, if you will take me up on it, I'll train you. No charge. So the Lord was talking. And I did not want to do this. I fought it and I fought it and I fought it. And finally, one day I said to Sarah, you know why I don't want to do this? She said, why? I said, I'm afraid. And I said it just like that. I'm afraid to do it. You know what that was? The first honest moment of the whole conversation. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of being the guy in the left seat. I'm afraid of being up there with my family in the back. I'm afraid of making the mistakes that I made before. What's happening? I'm letting my past shape my expectation. But what did he say? What did the psalmist say? If you'll expect, then you'll strengthen your heart. But what did Jesus say? He said, men's hearts are failing. Why? Fear. And the expectation of things to come. So you got a strong heart and you got a weak heart. One will carry you through, one will quit on you. One's rooted in faith and yields an expectation called hope. One's rooted in fear and yields an expectation called dread and worry. And when I finally just acknowledged, I'm afraid, I've been afraid to do it and I don't want to be afraid anymore. So here's what I'm going to do. More than I'm afraid to do this, more than that feeling, 
I want to be obedient. I want to do what He's telling me to do. So Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I called that man. I said, let's go fly. And you know what happened? Without even realizing it, remember what he said, be of good courage. What comes after that? He'll strengthen your heart. It required a step of courage. Strength comes, but only after courage is taken. I preached for an hour and a half to say that to you right there tonight. The strength will come, but not until after the courage is taken. So I called him and I said, all right, I'm ready. Let's go do it. And we, we met one day before we went to fly and said, why are you doing this? And I said, honestly, I don't know. Obedience. That's all I know. I don't want to do it. I don't want to be the guy. But more than that, I want to be obedient. He said, okay, I can buy that. And we went out and flew. And then we flew some more. And then we kept flying. And we kept flying. And all last month, we just went and flew and flew and flew. And from the first one, my heart started beating. And I looked up. I'm like, I'm enjoying this. Something's going on in me. I'm enjoying what's going on right now. And I get home and I'm excited about flying. And I'm talking to Sarah about flying. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's great. That's great. But I'm excited about it. And it's stirring in my heart. And I'm eat, sleeping, breathing, flying, you know. And I'm just so stirred up about it. And one day we went out and flew together. And he's a faith guy. So I told him, I told him hey, man, I want to tell you something. He said, what? I said, I'm an excellent pilot. He said, I believe that. I believe that. And we're flying. We flew out to KCM. He's like, hey, why don't you land right here? Uh, I got to run into the hangar real quick. Like, okay, fine. We, we pull up to the hangar. He's like, well, I got to run in, but you got to go do some solos. <laughs> My first solos in 15 years. And I said, you jerk. <laughs> <laughs> but I dropped him off, braiding tongues from there to the <laughs> threshold. And you know what? The anointing to do this thing came all over me. I got so stirred up about it. Every time I tell this, I'll start to cry because it's perhaps one of the most pronounced demonstrations in my entire life of taking a step of courage and watching him strengthen my heart. I didn't have the heart to do it, but he gave it to me. And I know you want that physical miracle. I know you want that financial miracle. I know you want that thing to happen quickly overnight and it doesn't always happen. But what can happen in an instant is your heart can get stronger now. Your heart can get stronger now. It doesn't take any time. I'm telling you, it doesn't take any time at all. All it requires is like Abraham, step. Courage, step. And here comes the strength. Here comes the strength to do what he gave you to do. Here comes the strength to fulfill the assignment. And all I can tell you is that God has gone to work in me both to will and to do his good pleasure. And I took off that day and I came around first landing. You know what it sounded like? Second one. Third one. Oh, it was beautiful, man. It was beautiful. And I'm, I'm the, there's nobody to share it with, you know, and that's great too. And, and it's just growing in me and growing in me. And I know it has everything to do with whatever airplane the Lord's bringing in this, this ministry. That's, that's on him. I'm doing what he told me to do. 
and he's strengthening my heart. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith. Hey.